0: country
1: music i love country music
2: country music, country music. Country. the future country music's looking good
1: i love it country Shh. confidential
3: i'm so naive like i'm not stupid but i'm definitely like open to doing anything that i think like will make me learn or make me grow like i have no i guess i'm not jaded and i hope i'm never jaded but i'm definitely Definitely not right now. Like I still drive down Music Row and I'm like, oh my God, this is Disney World.
1: <laughs> country Confidential. One of the many things I love about country music is how there are so many different artists from all ages and backgrounds thriving in the genre. Some artists realize their dreams at a very young age and hit the ground running. Some of today's biggest names are actually younger than you think but they aren't letting their age stop them from chasing their dreams. I sat down with Carter Faith, Dylan Marlowe, Jackson Dean, and Noah Hicks to talk all about their experience about being a young artist in Nashville. You guys know me, I got all the secrets and untold stories from their experience. I'm your host, Backstage Bobby, and this is Country Confidential, Young Nashville. At the young age of 22, North Carolina native Carter Faith is doing big things in Nashville as a singer-songwriter. She's been deemed the future of Nashville by Ward Gunther, the founder of Whiskey Jam. And Spotify also named her a hot country artist to watch and included her in their Fresh Finds program, making her the first country artist to be featured. Her unique tone is a refreshing sound in modern country. She's already got quite the resume, but I wanted to know where Carter's love of country music first started. I don't even remember how
3: young I was, but um, I would just be in the car like my parents would be driving me around or my grandpa. And just like on the radio, I feel like it was always on the radio, whether it was, you know, like Rascal Flatts or Eric Church, just like sitting in the backseat of my parents car and listening to what they were listening to was like my first taste of country music for sure. So my mom really loved that Wreckers album. The Wreckers album, it was like, Leave the Pieces. I feel like that's the first song that I knew by heart <laughs> that I would like sing on my bed, um, like with my hairbrush and stuff. But I I still love that song. I, I don't know, I just felt like, oh my God, that's a girl singing it just jumped out to me for some reason. Um, and then I remember hearing, this wasn't when I was super little, but I remember vividly hearing like Mary go around by Casey on the radio and just being like, oh my God, there's girls on the radio. That's what i am I wanna listen to, you know?
1: I love hearing that other women on the radio helped Carter spark a dream of country music inside of her. And to help pursue that dream, Carter actually attended Belmont University in Nashville, just like a handful of other country icons like Josh Turner, Trisha Yearwood, Leanne Womack, and Brad Paisley. But the list goes on and on. I wanted to dive a little bit deeper into why she decided to go to Belmont. So my
3: family is really like hardworking and um supported me through college and stuff. and so I wanted to finish college. I think like, Honestly, until I was a senior in high school, I wasn't, I didn't really, you know, dive headfirst into the music world just because it felt so scary, I guess. I'm from North Carolina, and I don't know a single person who has done that. It felt like, you know, like Neverland, almost. Like, who goes there and makes it? I don't know. I've never met anyone that did that. But I learned about Belmont University and that you could, like, major in songwriting. And I just... I don't know. Honestly, I'm super like anxious. I like to plan everything, but that decision was so random. And I think it was like a universe God thing. Cause I didn't, I applied like very early in my senior year and didn't apply anywhere else, just decided to go. And like, that was so out of character for me. So I went and, um, started writing with pretty much anyone who would write with me. I would write with like People, I would just DM people on Instagram, like, do you want to write? Um, and it, I don't know, like doing that for two years gets you a lot of practice and you meet a lot of people. And I think that's just how Nashville like really works, honestly.
1: Going to school for songwriting was obviously a big deal for Carter. It's crazy that Belmont was the only place she applied to. It's no surprise she was accepted. I asked Carter if there was a particular moment she felt that the songwriting bug really hit her. So I wrote my first song at 16,
3: just so stupidly heartbroken over a 16-year-old boy. And um I I vividly remember like listening to Miranda Lambert cuz, you know, she makes you feel like I don't need anyone, but I could not find like a song that was making me feel better. I just remember thinking that and being like, what? Like this sucks. And then I had my guitar with me and I was like, something came over me. I just wrote a song and I think that I was sold after that. Getting to like heal in your own words and then um, like it's something you can access anytime you want to. I wish everyone had that. I think everyone should have something like that. Um, Cause I always like growing up, I loved music obviously. And then I loved reading. I loved words and music. So like, no wonder I put the two together for myself. Um, and then I think like after a couple years, it wasn't just for me anymore. I was like, I'm pretty good at this. <laughs> like I could... I guess I could do this every day if I wanted to and I worked really hard.
1: I just love what Carter said about getting to heal in your own words. It's amazing that she had that realization at just 16. Gosh, I don't even remember what I was doing at 16. But I wanted to know what advantages Carter feels that she has from starting her career so young.
3: I think there's an advantage being a woman and being young because (laughs) a lot of women... Like society likes women to age out a little bit. So trying to change that. I do think country music, lets like, let's, that's so, such a bad way to say it. But really, I think like a lot of women country superstars have really long careers, which I think is amazing. But I do think um, I want to make it work now. And I don't want, I don't want to age out. I don't want, I don't think anyone should age out. I think that's a... Advantage. And then I think just like, I'm, I'm so naive. Like I'm not stupid, but I'm definitely like opening open to doing anything that I think like will make me learn or make me grow. Like I have no, I guess I'm not jaded and I hope I'm never jaded, but I'm definitely not right now. Like
1: I still drive down music grow and I'm like, Oh my God, this is Disney world. <laughs> I think by now we've established that Carter has had a pretty amazing career thus far. She's also had an experience playing Whiskey Jam's 10th anniversary show at the Ryman.
3: I didn't like work for that position. I was gave that position by Ward Gunther, the um, founder of Whiskey Jam. And I'm so grateful for it because like I said, like I, I hadn't been there long enough to be like, I worked for this, but I felt so honored to be there. I really believe that there's like so much energy there and you feel all the history in the walls. I felt like everyone backstage, you know, I was just kind of watching everyone because I don't know. Like, I don't know these like superstars, but everyone was so like aware and reverent of how special of a place it was. And like, it just felt it was like such a memorable night. I'll never forget that.
1: Ugh, guys, I got chills. Another incredible experience for Carter that she has had recently is singing with singer songwriter Corey Kent. I wanted to know what it was like for her to do a duet with such a big name,
3: Corey. I didn't even meet until we did the song, but I we had some mutual songwriting friends, and I I had heard this song on TikTok. Like I was like scroll, it was everywhere, you know. Like I was like, "That is such a good song." So his team and him reached out to me. Um, He just told me such nice things like that. He was such a fan of my sound and my music um, and wanted to do a duet. And I was like, well, I really love this song. (laughs) I was like, I really love that song and I want to sing on it. So he let me and we did the acoustic one take. I mean, he's always on the road. So it was like we kind of had to do like an acoustic one take and it was kind of so fun. Like, I think if you're a music fan, there's nothing like just sitting down and knocking a song out. There's like a lot of special magic in that, but um, it was like so special. And his, his team and everyone around him is so nice. Corey is like one of the nicest people I've met in Nashville for sure.
1: I really loved chatting with Carter. She has such an infectious, positive energy, and it's really no surprise she's been noticed by some of the biggest names in the industry. She also, though, has some great advice for some young artists looking to make it big.
3: Well, I don't practice what I preach necessarily all the time. I'm sure none of us do. But I will say the best advice I've received and that I do try to remember is that there is only one reason like the universe and God put you on this earth and it is to be exactly who you are today you know just be who you are today and that is what the world needs I think and um I think that is advice for songwriters especially people like competing with other people or feeling like they're competing with other people and just like in life like you were the only person that can be you and why else would we all be here if it wasn't to be ourselves, I don't know. I think it's really, it simplifies itself way too much more than we would actually remember that sometimes, but I think it's really special.
1: You might think that a young artist and country has had a passion for the genre since day one. At the age of four, Dylan's love for a different passion started with baseball. Dylan had all the makings of a lifelong baseball player turned professional, but in high school, he found himself learning to play guitar with a friend and the rest was history. That is where his passion for country music was born. And since then, it seems like he hasn't been able to put the guitar down. He moved to Nashville right after high school, and honestly, the rest is history. Dylan has now found himself in a really special place in country music. He is seamlessly blending traditional and contemporary sound to make his own unique sound in the process. But developing a unique sound starts somewhere for everyone, even if you don't know it.
0: The first time I ever remember listening to country music was in the car with my mom. She was a big Kenny Chesney fan. It was funny. My mom was Kenny Chesney. My dad was Nickelback in Linkin Park. So, like, I feel like you can kind of tell some of that in my music you know you can kind of have a little rock vibe but uh yeah i remember being in my mom's suburban i thought it was cool to be like my dad so i was like i don't like country music why are you listening to this mom and then i was like oh i love this actually you know but i got hooked on keith whitley by myself like just on on, once i started getting into high school and and when spotify became a thing you know i started deep diving and that's what what really hooked me was keith whitley
1: keith whitley i love that that's the first artist to really catch dylan's ear I wanted to know when he felt like he could start making a career out of country music.
0: One of the one of the big turning points was I had this like senior baccalaureate service in high school. And they asked me to play and I actually played Don't Blink by Kenny Chesney. Um, it's like everybody leaving, you know, and all these like I mean, all these like people started talking to me after that. that didn't like girls like pretty girls and stuff like that. <laughs> Started talking to me after and I was like this is weird like these people never talked to me before you know um that was one of the funny things but I mean um I was always baseball you know I, I started playing guitar in 2015 so I guess that, it feels like yesterday really that was when I graduated so that was one of them I used to do a lot of like around I'm from Statesboro Georgia so I used to do a lot of open mic nights and stuff and uh, met a couple of people in Nashville and just kind of got you know involved with that when i found eric church that's when i started writing my own songs and just from there you know here we are now
1: (laughs) i love that dylan references singing one of my favorite songs don't blink by kenny chesney as a turning point for him i also can't believe that he started playing guitar just in high school seeing him play it feels like he's been playing a lot longer than that he also shared with me a little bit more about his early days of songwriting
0: well, I feel like when you start off, you know, it's really
1: influential on in what you're
0: listening to, what you're around and what you see. Um, When I started coming up, there was uh, social media was a big thing. So I started looking at a lot of what other people were doing, but also just writing kind of what I what I knew. But the more I grew into it, the more I started realizing that, like, this might sound harsh, but it doesn't really matter what like the people in Nashville think, you know, it matters what the fans think and when we put out "I'll Keep the Country," and when I look back and just saw like the fan, like interaction and like the connection, that's when it really all hit me. Like, whenever I just do what I want to do and what feels right to me, it just connects, you know. If it's authenticity or if it's just the message, I mean, I write like I grew up, so I feel like and that those are the fans I'm gonna go play shows to, you know.
1: I wanted to know what starting out in Nashville was like for Dylan, even in just the first few weeks.
0: Yeah, they were rough. I mean, I'm a, I'm a I was a homeboy, you know. I never. Wanted to leave my hometown, so moving moving was big, and, and uh, I kind of was a house. I stayed in the house a lot when I first got to town. Just wrote a lot, um, just wrote with a bunch of as many people as I could, you know. Um, but I, I slowly grew, slowly grew into it. Um, I'm like a big just outdoor guy, so and at first I didn't have anywhere to go, be outside at. Like I could go to the park, but you can't go hunting at the park, you know what I mean. <laughs> I had to go find some places that I could hunt and fish. And once I found that, it really felt like home. And I love it here now.
1: Starting your career so young has to be nerve-wracking. So I wanted to know what advantages Dylan thinks he has from diving into country music at such a young age.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm blessed. Uh, I know a lot of people are here a lot longer than I am and and takes a lot longer. I'm super blessed. That's really the only way I can put it. Um, But yeah, I just... I don't know. I feel like I always have try to have the biggest mind I can and look forward as much. And I, I really have been trying to be a more in the moment person like, oh, great. We're all in this Dylan Scott tour. But what about after? You know what I mean? I'm always that. That's always my attitude. And so I'm always just like, all right, if we have a million streams. How can we get 10 million streams? You know, I can't ever be in the same spot for long, which is a blessing and a curse. I don't know. <laughs>
1: I was lucky enough to see Dylan open up here for Dylan Scott in Chicago earlier this year. And guys, it was an awesome show. So I asked Dylan what his takeaways were from touring with such a country music veteran.
0: I don't know if anybody gets a first tour that good. I mean, their whole team was great to us. Uh, The fans were amazing every single night. There wasn't one night where there were not crazy fans, you know. Um, The opportunity was crazy, actually. Uh, I'm pretty convinced, and, and he even assured this to me, but... I'm signed with Dallas Davidson um, for publishing and stuff. And he was opening for Luke Bryan at the farm tour, the Peach Pickers. And so me and my buddy Screech, my TM, best friend, y'all meet him one day. And uh, I was like, let's just go drive up and watch Dallas. And, and, you know, and Dylan had opened and I saw Dylan side stage. And Dylan was like, hey, I'm like a fan of your stuff. Let's get connected. So he follows me on Instagram a week later. And then like two weeks later, my Cade calls me, my manager. And he's like, hey, Dylan Scott just offered us a tour. We're going on tour. it. so I can't help but think like that had something to do with just like putting myself there, you know. So like that seven hour drive to Ohio to watch Luke Bryan was was definitely worth it. (laughs) As far as like stuff I learned, I mean, just I learned how to take care of myself on the road better. I learned not to care what people think about me as much. And just to go out there and just play the best I can every night. I mean, I don't know. Those people pay a lot of money. You know, some people pay a lot of money to go see these shows, you know. And so when you get to go and be there, like Avenue out of normality and and the everyday life, that's pretty cool.
1: Sometimes it really is about being all at the right place at the right time. And I do have to agree with Dylan. A seven hour drive is definitely worth it, especially when you end up with an offer to tour with the one and only Dylan Scott. Wow. I wanted all the inside scoop. So I asked Dylan what the best part about touring with Dylan was.
0: There's probably a few I can't share, but the one I can is I remember this was in California, I believe. This venue had these pillows. They were hard pillows, they were like this big, and they were circular oval pillows that go on couches, you know? And as soon as I walked out of the green room, Dylan's had, he had, him and his whole band had them, and they just started attacking us. With the, like, I mean, beating us to the floor with these pillows. That was one. I remember one show, there was a gap in the uh, in the wall and the ceiling, and their green room was on the other side. And pizza started flying over the, uh, <laughs> over the ledge. It was nothing but fun. And that was it, you know. Yeah, I remember one night, it was like 2 a.m., and we're in this, like, converted school bus, and they're in a, a, a Prevost, you know, and we're going down the interstate, probably going 80, And we look to our right and we see Dylan's Prevost just flying past us, going like 90, 95, just hauling ass right past us. It was hilarious. They were all hanging out the window. It's funny.
1: Dylan really is just hopping from one country icon to another. One of his first major cuts was with one of country music's own, John Party. He talked to me a little bit more about what that meant to be on such a huge project.
0: I never go into the room to write for anybody else. I go to write for me and that's it. And if it's Sometimes if it hits, cool. And if it doesn't, then it's, you know, like this. And I remember going in and my producer, Joe, and I I wanted a baritone riff at the beginning of the song. And uh, it's funny that I didn't actually keep the baritone riff. There was one in there in the demo, but I was like, dear God, nobody pitched this song. Like this could potentially be my first radio single when I sign a record deal, you know, let's keep this for me. And then Bart heard it. And then he was like, do you care if John cuts it? at that point, I was like, man, I just, I know like with Hardy and, and a bunch of other people had a bunch of songs cut first and honestly couldn't have planned it any better. Just getting to play it on that Dylan tour and getting to associate that with people in the industry, you know, has, has been a great blessing. But um, I think when I got the call, me, Joe and Jimmy were all on a plane and on the way to a writer's retreat and me and Joe were in the back and Jimmy was in the front. And when we landed, our phones got the service, you know, and, The text came in to all three of us and it was his first single to radio. And we were like screaming at each other from across the airplane. (laughs) It was fun.
1: Jackson Dean left his hometown in Maryland at just the age of 18 to pursue a career in songwriting. And since then, he has made some major waves in country music. Before signing with Big Machine Records in 2021, Jackson toured with Kane Brown, Jake Owen, and Brothers Osborne. Plus, his first single at Country Radio, Don't Come Looking, has been wildly successful. It's been featured on shows like Netflix's Ice Road and Paramount's Yellowstone. Guys, I was so lucky and honored to sit down with Jackson at Country Thunder Wisconsin this summer and learned a little bit more about what makes this young artist tick.
2: I grew up going to like blues jams and whatnot, and I come from a blue collar family, yeah. so it's just like Hank, Junior, Merle, David Allen Co. and My dad was big in the blues, so like Howlin' Wolf and Langdon like Gawkins. And, um, mom was like Big Springsteen. And then my brothers were like all like classic rock and and like uh, bluegrass and ska and all the out there stuff. There was like there was like two or three kids that like play guitar and like wanted to be in bands, but like I'd, I had already gotten, I was already making records with <laughs> My drummer I've been with my drummer since I was like 14, so I was like I've always had like my guys and Sean's like ten years older than me. They're my he's my brother's age, so it's just like we never I never like had the high school like, oh let's start a band. You know, like.
1: All this time spent listening to so many different genres, it's no wonder that Jackson got bit by the music bug. But one of the things I love most about Jackson is his songwriting. So I wanted to know where he remembers when he first started writing those songs.
2: No, I just remember the first couple were really bad. <laughs> That's all I remember. Um, I, just, I was just like, well, let's give it a go uh, and, and try it. Uh, and that was before I'd even, that was before I'd even stepped on any stage like by myself like that.
1: Clearly Jackson's songwriting skills have only grown since those first few. But I wanted to know a little bit more about his songwriting process from his debut album, *Greenbroke*, which came back out in March.
2: Well, I wanted it to be a lot of up and down and because it's a roller coaster and such is life. But uh, like putting that all together, I, the first five was like, don't come looking fearless, don't take much wings and love you anymore. And then the second half was the rest of yeah. the song. Um, they were recorded a year and a half apart. Uh, So the first five were before I got signed. And then after that, uh, I was like, all right, well, I'm gonna go make another half of the record now. And they're like, go for it. And um, no, but I wrote on all the songs. Uh, We kept a lot of stuff in house at Little Louder Publishing. Mm -hmm. So it was Luke Dick, Jeff Hyde, Brian Tindall. John Sherwood's on there, um, and a couple other guys from outside, like Park Chisholm um, and Luke. Yeah. Um, Luke's at louder, louder, but, um, but yeah, Luke and I, it's just really just Luke and I's baby, just making noise and musical fusion. Just two big blonde dudes.
1: I love hearing how these young stars are so passionate about music. The passion was so clear to me when I got to sit down face-to-face with Jackson, and I feel like one of his biggest advantages, besides his crazy talent, is his age. So I wanted his take on why it's so cool to be so young in this awesome industry.
2: I've been doing it for a while. I mean, like I was playing bars and I was like 14, 15 and, you know, just playing bar gigs and whatnot by myself. So I, I got that part of it, not in Nashville. So I got it out there and I played regionally and I mean, 17 selling out places which band is like, Oh, whoa. Um, that's how we got noticed was from uh, from a booking agent. Um, they, they were Paradigm at the time, and we sold out this place in Annapolis like three times in a row in like six months because we didn't have a booking agent. We weren't playing by anybody's rules, so they were like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm Jackson Dean. Who are you? Uh, but they were great, but yeah, that's how we kind of got...
1: selling out venues at 18 not too bad Jackson but another huge notch on his resume was being featured on the hit TV show Yellowstone so I asked him what his thoughts were about that
2: I think it was in in terms of uh, getting fans in that world and like getting it presented to to that audience absolutely they did it they did a great job they played like a minute and some change of it and I was like oh my god (laughs) Um, but I remember my agent in LA, uh, who works for WME, um, she called me and she was like, are you sitting down? I was like, no. She goes, you might want to, because uh, I just got your song in an episode of Yellowstone and um, it looks really good and it looks like they're going to do it and I was like, Because <laughs> it's Kevin Costner, it's Dances with Wolves, so it was yeah. just like, oh my god, this is awesome. Um, but yeah, I've had so many people come and like, send me the the snippet of it and, or just be like, man, we found you from Yellowstone, man. I'm like, yes. <laughs> yeah, is it was, it was
1: great. Kicking your career off so young can really be daunting, but I feel like it really gives an artist a chance to grow in a way that some others just can't. Though his career is just beginning, I wanted to know what Jackson wants to be known for the most.
2: The live show, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what it's all about live and how slightly different it is from the record and how different it is every night. And it's just like this never ending, living, breathing thing until we die and it only gets to happen in places like this.
1: From a young age, singer-songwriter Noah Hicks knew that he loved music. The Georgia native grew up on a chicken farm and it seemed like country music was way beyond his wildest dreams. But little did he know that those dreams would come true at such a young age. He gained popularity in his home state of Georgia and eventually made the big move to Nashville to pursue his dreams even more. Since then, he has been faced with massive success, having collaborated with artists he once only dreamed of, like his hero, Brett Akins. But every story has a beginning, so I needed to know where it all started for Noah.
4: Probably listening to the radio uh in the shop or on the tractor in the truck. Um didn't my dad listen to gospel music. That's all he he liked to, I mean, he had CDs of gospel music, so it was like, you know, moving up to heaven, like stuff like it was, you know, it's country, but it ain't like he didn't listen to really like Merle Haggard or stuff like that, which is you know, which is cool because I got my influence. Which is crazy to think. I got my influences from people I'm like riding with. If that makes sense, like those people that wrote the songs with for FGL, the early FGL stuff, early Thomas Red, like all those. Like I was young, like in high school, middle school, when those people started making the rise. Nothing wrong with old country, but I definitely got that new little like upbeat bone in my body. I don't like a slow song too much. When of the Lines first record came out, I mean that's that that like sonic, like that sonical Joey Moy when that sonical like just that goodness, I mean, the songwriting is literally incredible, like, you can't get no better, Um, and yeah, their execution was great, I mean, they looked cool on stage, I've never, I've never seen them in live, in concert, I was too young when they come to my hometown, but uh, FGL, I mean, I've seen Luke Bryan, like, four or five times on the farm tour, when he would come down to, uh, come down there, he actually got told he couldn't come back because he drank somebody's moonshine that he got given. <laughs> like, you know, it's like, because <laughs> he was like,
1: is this is one of y'all's moonshine or something like
4: that, you know. So, you know, which I'm sure he's, he could sell out the stadium.
1: It's hard not to feel Noah's energy and passion when you talk to him. I wanted to know if he always knew he would be a country music star.
4: This definitely fell on my lap. I would say about six or seven years ago, I realized it could be a career in the sense of like, okay, like, there's people doing it. Why can't I be that person or whatever that is? And uh, I was always going to farm, do something of that nature. I was working, making money in high school and I, outside of high school, graduated, whatever, farm work, building barns, fences, you name it. Kind of what my brother's doing, little smaller scale. He's more cowboy. <laughs> I like riding in tractor. But uh, once I moved to town, that was definitely a tough thing. It was uh, a lot of grass cutting, a lot of weed eating, Uh and then just got blessed with a potion deal offer that was too good turned down. And now we're here. It's I didn't even think a publishing deal was like really like as beneficial. I didn't know anything. Like I didn't even know you go to school for songwriting. I might've buckled down in high school or something, you know, try to go to MTSU without been a whole nother career path and life would be so different. So, you know, it is what it is, but yeah, I definitely didn't think this was a thing, which is cool to, you know, sometimes take a step back and be like I, Go to the Mexican restaurant you used to play at, and you look at that corner and you're like, man, like I spent a lot of nights there just thinking I did not want to be here right now. But it all like sharpened the blade or whatever that is, you know.
1: Noah took the idea of diving headfirst into his craft to heart, and I really admired that he was able just to follow his dreams at such a young age. But besides being a great country music artist, Noah is a true fan. At his core.
4: I'm a true country music fan. Like, I honestly, like, I'll, I'll be, I'll be tripping out in a room. I'll be sitting there. and like, I'll know who they are, but then I will get to like deep digging on like who I've written, like who I'm right with. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. And I end up telling them like, I'm like, oh, I love that song, by the way. You know, <laughs> whatever that is.
1: Moving to Nashville as a young artist can really be a huge whirlwind, but it's not always sunshine and rainbows. Noah told me a little bit about the hectic first few weeks he had in Music City. I
4: definitely got hit hard in the face in the sense of I've been called cocky by some people. And I say it's confidence, but, you know, it definitely I was when I was younger, I definitely had a lot more uh, spunk in the sense of like I was a was kid from the hometown kind of doing it. And then you move to Nashville and you're just another person in town doing it. You're not you're not a kid from the hometown because everybody's from a hometown and everybody's like we're all the same, you know, it's a, I think the statistic is like, there's, I could be wrong, but there's less than 400 songwriters in Nashville, which is an incredible, incredibly small number considering how many people are out there making. Now that could be, you know, that they could, that could be a songwriters making royalties off of whatever, you know, they could, they don't mean they're all broke, but with a publishing deal. And um, those are definitely hard to come by as that number shows. But uh, that first few weeks, it definitely moved into a house with three didn't really know um two of them that well but i knew dylan marlowe was one of my roommates and i knew dylan real well um so moving in with him his tour manager screech and then our other roommate lee langston having that house full of dudes and dylan's already done it has a deal lee was muscanine bloodlines tour manager and screech was you know he just don't he didn't have a clue so it was just nice to have you know he had a clue, but he didn't like. He, like he had, you know, he was just so he was fresh off the farm, basically, and uh, he was just loving every second of it. So it was fun to have a house. I mean, we call our house the Neighborhoods, and you can imagine there's, you know, there's just deer and stuff hanging around everywhere. It's, it's fun. It's, it was definitely for mentally. If I wouldn't have had the the core friend group I had, it would have been tougher. But I mean, I definitely got knocked in the face of like, okay, you ain't all that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs>
1: I love that Noah has a strong supporting core friend group to get him through those early days. Sometimes the support of the people we love is really what we need to succeed. Besides having advantages of a strong support system, I wanted to know what advantages Noah feels like he has coming into the game at such a young age. Yeah, time
4: will tell. I mean, I promise you promise your next breath, but still, like, I got, I got plenty of, I got plenty of it. I haven't had a record deal yet, you know those change a lot of things and how that, however, the, like the momentum, I have time and, you know, plenty of momentum to, to gain, I guess, would really be the the biggest thing. I, I, there's there's plenty of room to grow, which is, I'm a young, and I guess I could say I'm a young pup so I can take a little bit more beating and I can, you know, in a band with seven dudes and we're all, you know, scrunched up and but whatever it is, but that's the, you know, the fun part of it. It's been about a year and a half under a publishing deal i've i mean my my years before the publishing deal or just you know creating my own fan base i i mean that was definitely my start of my career but i definitely kicked off my career when i signed my deal that was like when i that's when it got real if that makes sense you know and uh yeah very short blessing huge blessing you know it's like I said, I never would have thought a publishing deal would do, you know, would do such good things. There's also got an artist development deal with it.
1: Even though Noah has been in country music for just a short time, he already has quite the impressive resume. One that even some seasoned artists may be jealous of. Even though he has so many more incredible memories to make, I wanted to know what his proudest moment has been so far.
4: The proudest moment for me is to know that I've turned my dream into a reality. I was just driving home. And that, like back home and I was just riding around listening to the radio and I was thinking like I knew every person that like that wrote these songs even knew some of the people that were singing the songs like on a personal level as well as like remember feeling how I felt when I heard these songs back when I was you know 16 because at 16 17 18 is when I got serious about it so like 16 and 17 was like I lived you know really those songs I guess you could say and uh so it just really like wow, I can't believe that this is a reality. Me listening, me in my head seeing four Georgia lines sing their songs and me playing guitar in the background or whatever that is, I'm the one now singing my songs doing that, which is crazy to think because I used to dream that. I'm I'm a big day dreamer.
1: Talk about living the dream. Noah got to work alongside country music icon, Rhett And if you don't know who that is, that's Thomas Rhett's dad. (laughs) I wanted to know about what that experience was like for him and what lessons he learned
4: to not take a right too seriously. (laughs) He got, he, I mean, he's serious, get your work done, but he definitely was, he's definitely was fun to write with. He still is fun to write with. I mean, I know there's one ride I have with him and Jerry flowers, which is crazy. Jerry flowers and Jared Keen and and Jerry and, uh, Rhett had a freaking jukebox moment where Rhett was like just playing all these songs, like, you know, but, but they weren't his songs. It was like death leopard and like guns and roses. And it was just like ripping on it. It was just like 40 minutes of that. I mean, I was sitting there just like, this is crazy that this is, I get to live like this. I mean, I literally, I've, I've, I've been singing a Red Akins cover in my set. I, he, Sally he's not in there anymore. Cause he's, you know, on my song, but that ain't my truck was in my set for forever and I mean I used to listen to all them songs Katie brought his guitar back all them good songs and it's just now that he's you know considerably a friend I guess definitely an acquaintance I've texted him out of the blue (laughs) in my head I I, like I just I feel like songwriters is where like I've like I fall in love but don't get me wrong the artists are cool I still get a little like worked up but when I meet the songwriter that's like You've coined Chris Tompkins and Rodney Clawson are two people that I kind of like got like they wrote a lot of the early FGL stuff. Haven't met Craig Wiseman. I'm probably going to pee my pants when I meet Craig just because I'm like, I, everybody's like, y'all would get along. Y'all are just, y'all are dang, you just alike in the sense of you won't shut up.
1: <laughs> what an incredible experience. And I'm positive that more collaborations with country music legends are in Noah's future. Noah's got a long successful career ahead of him, but I wanted to know what Noah wants to be known for. To
4: you know I put a change in not only there's just the genre but just in the like in my fan base. It's not I'm not I'm not 100% worried about don't get me wrong. And people get uh, get it twisted when I say this. I don't really like CMA awards. I didn't think about I never I've never thought about those. I never thought about a CMA award. i never thought about like, you know, you want to please the industry because that's definitely what will get you there. But I've never like that's never been my first thought because it it wasn't a choice when I when I first started singing. When I was playing in a corner of a Mexican restaurant, there wasn't a person from the industry there. I had to ask that person over there what they want to hear. And it was a fan-driven, it's all fan-driven. So if I can just if I can have like, I mean you know, I want to have just obviously a massive career, but it's a, it's a career in the sense of like, where well, you're, you're standing in the you're standing out in the crowd and people are crying. Cause I'm like playing this one, cause I'm playing my song, playing that song or whatever that is, or, I, or they're crying because I'm playing that song. that's like sweet. Like, you know what I mean? Or like, there's a, like, there's a lot of emotions you can give people like, or that song that, you know, it's going to start that fight out there, you know, in the park, like whatever that is Get you know, I want like more or less my music to, touch people how it used to touch me because I I mean that's where I definitely put all of my emotion was towards music I had a girl about to break up with me looking up the song I heard goodbye by Dan and Shay I'm going to listen to that song on repeat and just like just just let it sink in and st- you know rip me apart so I want to have influential music just to either kickstart somebody else's career wants to do this it's like you know I, I want to make that kind of music or just feels get all those dms and letters or whatever that is it's like hey this song got me through a tough time or you know this song got me over whatever that is and that's definitely i try to write meaningful music
1: if there's one key takeaway from this episode it's not to let your age stop you from chasing your dreams sometimes it can be your biggest advantage Guys, it's safe to say that the future of country music is looking really bright and it's in some great hands. Be sure to check out these upcoming projects from all of these artists. Carter Faith has a dreamy new single out called Greener Pasture. Make sure you go check it out. My buddy Dylan Marlowe is keeping busy on the road with Cole Swindell. Plus, he hinted at more new music soon. Jackson Dean's tour schedule is full. Make sure you go check out a live show. You're not going to want to miss it. Plus, go listen to one of my favorite new albums this year by Jackson Greenbroke. And my good buddy Noah Hicks is hitting the road with Ernest this fall. Plus, more new music is on the way. Once again, my name is Bobby Dixon, and I am the founder of Backstage Bobby, a country music news outlet that highlights Chicago's country music scene. Follow me on Instagram at Backstage Bobby. And be sure to subscribe to the Country Confidential podcast to hear more insider info directly from all of your favorite country music artists. Country Confidential.
0: The All Country News Country Confidential Podcast is produced by me, Ashley Kim. I also executive produce alongside my team at Horseshoe Media. You can submit your artist, organization, or event to us at allcountrynews.com for a chance to be featured. If you love this episode, please rate and review our podcast wherever you're listening. And a huge shout out to our friends from Restless Road who recorded our amazing theme music for this podcast
1: all country news for more follow us on facebook twitter instagram TikTok, and youtube at all country news visit us at allcountrynews.com to join our birthday club and subscribe to our weekly industry newsletter check out a new episode of country confidential every month right here all country news